What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of Podmosh. Today's guest, we have Mayor Scott Kane of Cleburne, Texas. But first, I want y'all to check out this company. It's a local company called Lively IV. It's a mobile IV company that actually brings the health boost directly to you. For instance, if you're really sick with, say, the flu, and you're dehydrated and would rather not pay thousands of dollars for a doctor's visit or an ER visit, then you have to check out this company. They come directly to you. I was awful sick with a bug last October and I had been throwing up for shoot probably 21 hours, maybe twice, three times an hour, had nothing in my system. For three days I did this. I couldn't keep anything down and I had a bunch of important meetings coming the following week. I wish I had known about Lively IV. They can actually hang a normal saline bag or a souped up bag of rich vitamins and minerals that'll give your immune system a massive boost. You'll have to check them out. I'll put the show link or the uh, company link in my description. So at least give them a follow. You know, discounts and savings. They do deals every once in a while. So check them out, guys. All right. So Mayor Scott Kane, um, man, it was really, really, really cool talking to this guy. He seems like a really cool guy. First time I've spoken with him, he set aside time out of his day to talk to me, tell me a little bit about the city himself, things that they're doing to the city. Uh, for instance, the housing market right now is amazing in Cleburne. Um, they're they're doing a whole lot of lot exchanges for there's empty lots. They they're putting uh, new houses on them, and actually the according to Realtor.com, the housing market is trending up 14.8 percent year over year. They're doing massive in- infrastructure improvements. They, uh, Cleburne has a water park and minor league baseball stadium, and Mayor Scott Kane talks a little bit about that and some of the things they're they're looking forward to in, in that arena. Um, he also brought a him and the city council and a bunch of other people uh, brought. Chick-fil-A to the city and that was like over eight years of working with Chick-fil-A for them to come to the city so that was a huge deal um Cleaver now has a McAllister's Deli with an Aldi being built uh as we speak and possibly might get a Target and an Academy we'll see it's uh, it's hopeful so we talk a lot about those types of things as well as how he kind of has led the city through the pandemic so much respect for the guy I know <laughs> being a mayor is not easy um and I really appreciate him taking the time to talk so y'all enjoy. Mayor Scott Kane, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, I really wanted to reach out to you and kind of just learn more, a little bit more about you and then kind of walk with me as best we can, as most efficient as we can. Um, kind of how you've led the city of Cleburne through a lot of new upgrades as well as through the pandemic. So question one, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it kind of depends on, on who you ask. First of all, thanks for uh, <laughs> taking the time to, to visit. You know, it, it's, um, you know, Cleburne's always been near and dear to my heart. Uh, my grandmother moved to Cleburne uh, almost a century ago in a covered wagon. And uh, a lot of my family worked in the shops and I grew up, was born here, grew up as a child, moved away to Joshua for grade school, uh, came back and graduated from Cleburne High, uh, was a member of the Golden Pride and uh, very proud to be an alumni of, of Cleveland High, and and then I, I went off, uh, I went to Dallas long enough to to find my wife and and get my career started and come back. But uh, uh, went to law school, got involved in the business community in Dallas, and uh, I came back to raise my family in 2001. And and uh, it, what you know, it's been quite a journey. It's been it's been great. Yeah. So this is your second term, am I right, as Cleveland Mayor? No, I am in my fifth term now. Fifth term? Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Time goes fast. Wow. I'm off. 
no, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it goes pretty fast. Um, I had uh, turned down, I, I'd been asked to run for mayor off and on uh, a few times and I said, no, 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 no. And, and, and finally, you know, we kind of hit rock bottom as a community and, you know, the prevailing uh, thought was that Cleburne had seen its best days with the shops closed in 88, that, uh, you know, our best days were behind us. And it was kind of like watching a loved one slowly die of cancer. And I told my wife, I said, I've either got to be part of the solution or I'm going to have to leave because this is killing me mm-hmm. watching the community. So, uh, you know, I looked at where we were and, and we were given a lifeline with the knowledge that the Chisholm Trail Parkway was finally going to be constructed. And uh, I'd lived through a lot of rapid growth uh, in my time at Dallas. And so I knew what was ahead. And uh, so I wanted to be part of that and and try to lay out a a plan. At the time, I called it the 2020 vision for Cleburne. But uh, with 2020 uh, and the rearview mirror, I'd I'd like to change that name. (laughs) But, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about you know, laying out a, a, a strategic game plan to get ready for the growth. We needed to get all of our ordinances updated. I mean, our charter hadn't been updated in 68 years uh-huh. and our ordinances were outdated. Um, and I wanted to get us ready for the coming growth uh, to embrace it, but also to make certain that, that we, we remain that, that small town feel that everybody loves about Cleburne. And, you know, the, the way I described it, um, I guess it was about nine years ago, I told the community, you know, we, we've been given the opportunity to have an impact on our future. So the real question is, what do we want to look like and feel like in the future? And the way I described it was, you know, when I go to the grocery store, um, even before, you know, becoming mayor, it takes me about twice as long as other folks in the Metroplex because you get stopped and you have a conversation with a neighbor or friend or somebody you haven't seen. It's a social event. And that's part of what makes Cleveland great is our people and, and that sense of community and sense of belonging. And, you know, I, I wanted to make certain that we were ready for the growth, but not just, you know, to be able to, to handle the infrastructure, but to, to make certain we don't lose that character because I've seen too many cities do that. And so, uh, you know, I laid out a plan uh, to do that and uh, what a ride it's been over the last 10 years. That's really cool. So I am I was actually... I never grew up here. I was actually in the Fort Worth Burleson area. We moved here to uh, Cleburne about six months ago, right? Whenever the shutdown first happened for the entire DFW area, it was pretty interesting. Um, and growing up here, you know, this, this, the city wasn't bad, like it, just a regular old city, uh, you know, as I'm coming in as a kid. Um, but it, it kind of was different. It, it wasn't as welcoming back then as it is now. Um, it seems like almost then it was like, if you're not from Cleburne, there was a kind of a standoffishness. It was different, but I don't see that happening now. Today, whenever we moved here, as I'm about the city, even as uh, other people from around different cities come in, um, it's very welcoming. Uh, there's a lot of changes happening. So why why did that occur? Well, you, I think you're, you're you're right. I remember, you know, when we first moved back to to Cleburne. You know, of course, I was born and raised, you know, third generation Cleburneite. You know, that wasn't a big issue, but you know, my wife was from Dallas. And so, uh, you know, it, it took a little warming up and, and used to the saying was, you know, if you're not about three, four generations in, you're not really, you know, <laughs> yet. Uh, but you know, what, what, 
what I think really changed was, you know, instead of feeling threatened by those coming into the community, we, I think as a community, we, we said, you know, the reason people want to be a part of our community is they want to be a part of that, that close knit community. And, and, you know, they're Cleaver Knights at heart that just haven't found their way home is kind mm-hmm. of the way I, I describe it. And so we, we've embraced that. And, and I think the, the attitudes have changed a little bit and, and, We've looked at, you know, uh, how can we be more welcoming and, and, and uh, with people coming in? And, 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 you know, and I think a big part of it, too, uh, Caleb, is that people that have moved here in recent years, they don't want to come in and change fundamentally who we are. They, they've, they've embraced it. You know, I've, I've had so many people that have moved here from out of state, other uh, places in Texas, and they said, we love Cleveland. We moved here to be a part of that, that sense of community and that small town feel where, you know, people care for one another and, and that's what drew them here. And, and so how could you not, how can you not welcome that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, uh, you know, what I've told our community is, Hey, you know, let's, let's embrace this. Let's welcome people that want to come and be a part of, of something special I mean, who doesn't want to do that? And, yeah, uh, and that's kind of what I've seen from when I grew up coming in from an outsider perspective, then finally being a Cleaver Knight. You know, it's a lot different now. It's way more welcoming, and not just because I've moved to the city, but um, there's just a lot of cool things that have changed. One of those changes is the ballpark. You know, the ballpark was a huge deal. You know, it's right off of uh, Chisholm Trail. So that's that is supposed to be or was supposed to be kind of a big epicenter for um, shopping and restaurants. Kind of walk me through that. Yeah, you know, uh, with the Chisholm Trail, you know, we had an opportunity. Uh, that's a new front door to our community. And uh, when we started looking at that corridor, you know, we looked at North Mains. You know, I had somebody describe Cleburne uh, probably about seven or eight years ago, said, look, Cleburne's got good bones and good community, but it's tired, you know, <laughs> and, and the way it looks, you know, it's just yeah. kind of dirty and and there wasn't any planning and thought process into it. And so, uh, you know, one of the first things that I talked about 10 years ago was, hey, we need to, we need to take pride in our community. Let's celebrate what's good and let's, let's, our best days are ahead. Let's get the community morale back on the upswing. And, and I believe the next century is going to be better than the last century. And so uh, we wanted to have a, a corridor that was welcoming and we wanted to, to put our best foot forward. You know, when, when you invite somebody to your home, you know, you want to have a nice uh, pot of flowers or color, have a clean front door because that's the first impression they have. And so we looked at that and, you know, what's interesting was we, we knew that, that along the, the 67 corridor, we were going to see a lot of retail and things like that in the long run. And, and we still are going to see that. Um, so we started looking at economic opportunity. What a lot of folks don't know is uh, I had a lot of conversations with the developer about putting an indoor snow ski facility. What? The depot is. Yeah. Uh, similar to uh, uh, over in the Middle East, and there's like 10 of them across the globe. And it's like 12 stories tall and, you know, big economic draw. But um, wow. you know, through that process, we learned that the, the side of the depot and the Cleveland Station was really one of the most important development uh, 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 properties for our community because of its location. And so uh, uh, long story short, what happened was um, I was out of town on vacation and I had a uh, 
a local florist sent me a Facebook message, said, hey, Mayor, I heard the Fort Worth cats are, are leaving Fort Worth and LeGray Field. Why don't you see if they'll come to Cleburne? Ha, ha, ha. Mm. Well, you know, interesting. nothing happens if you don't pick up the phone. So I called the cats organization and literally caught the last man leaving because <sighs> they were closing the door. And long story short, we had a series of meetings to talk about professional baseball coming to Cleburne. And as we went through that, we discovered that Cleveland has a rich heritage and history of, of professional baseball. And uh, uh, so we, we talked about reviving that. And then uh, we, as, as things progressed, we did our due diligence. We looked at, we had some studies done on economic impact of, you know, not just the baseball uh, project, but the retail and entertainment, you know, what that would mean for the community. And then uh, we looked at how to put it together. And then most importantly, once we did all of our homework and got everything together, we took it to the community and said, look, this is too big of a project for the mayor or council to do. It's up to the voters. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to pay for it. Here's the impact. Here's what we've been told. You decide. And when we went through the election, you know, people waited in line for hours to go vote for this and took their kids oh, wow. because it was, it was huge. Yeah. Uh, so that's know, still, that's still projected to be like, I'm a big uh, retail center, right? Yeah. You know, you know, I, I'm as disappointed as anybody in the lack of progress out there. You know, we, we thought we would be further along. Um, and there's a lot of reasons, you know, you've got the Amazon effect that has changed retail, brick mm -hmm. and mortar retail. Um, our developer, I've, I've been disappointed in the lack of progress from our developer. You've got COVID, but that area is still going to be huge growth. You know, the, the way I, I try to tell folks is, you know, just up the toll road on McPherson, there's a strip center retail that has just popped up in the last year, year and a half that just now opened. And, you know, I've had a lot of people say, well, look, they're, they're doing it up there. Well, a lot of people don't realize that that project was on the books for eight years mm. before it developed. So it takes time. to Kind of like Chick-fil-A, right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, Chick-fil-A, I've been, I've been working with Chick-fil-A for uh, about eight and a half, nine years trying to get them to come to Cleburne. And, wow. You know, it just takes some persistence. Uh, I've worked with Target, uh, trying to get a Target to Cleburne, and I'm not there yet, but we're not going to give up. Uh, Academy Sports is, a, is one that I've, I've spent time working with them. And. You know, you, it just takes time to yeah. do it and we just have to be patient and do it right. And uh, I know that, you know, some people are, are frustrated uh, with, uh, with the lack of progress and, and, and I get it. Uh, but I think most people understand that, that this is an important project that we need to get right. Uh, we're, we're talking to a lot of different people and different opportunities in that area. Uh, you know, we're, we're looking at shifting a little bit from retail and, and going more to entertainment. Um, oh, awesome. You know, the, the, the railroaders during this COVID year, uh, John Junker, the, the leader of the railroaders, uh, they- Man, you froze. To, uh, so, you know, if we're able to uh, with baseball coming in, we'll get the same, if not more, uh, sales tax revenue coming in for the community. And, and then the, the brick and mortar retail will come. Uh, we've got to be patient, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather get it right. Uh, but I understand why people are frustrated. I'm, I'm ready. We want to see it, you know? <laughs> well, COVID really screwed everybody up on this one. Um, I, I really want to touch base on that just for a sec, but before we get there, um, 
briefly touch on the some of the infrastructure changes that are occurring within within uh, Cleburne right now. So on, on infrastructure, uh, I had learned from my time in Dallas that it's so important that you stay ahead of growth because when you get behind, you stay behind. And I can give you an example. If you go look at Carrollton, uh, the city of Carrollton in the 90s, uh, their infrastructure got behind and they got overrun with growth and then they were trying to expand and, and repair roads. And we, we had gotten so far behind uh, over the last, uh, you know, 10 years ago, when I, when I uh, took over, uh, we had had uh, years where we were cutting the budget, uh, trying to wean ourselves off of gas royalties. And so uh, we were kicking the can down the road, trying to keep our, our, from raising our taxes. And, you know, we were in really some tough times. So we, we came up with a plan to get our roads bouncing back. And so over the last several years, council has put millions of dollars into improving our roads. And I think people are seeing that and we're continuing that progress. Uh, this year, uh, I've asked for our, our city manager to, to uh, have some workshops for us to look at our thoroughfare plans uh, to get ahead of that growth that's coming because we're, we're seeing an explosion in population. And so we wanna make certain that our, our roads not only can handle the capacity, but you know, part of what makes Cleveland great is we don't like traffic. You know, we, we, we don't, yeah. if we wanted, if we wanted to sit at a stoplight, we'd move up into the Metroplex <laughs> into Fort Worth or Frisco or Mansfield. Um, Wilshire. But, yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, I told our city manager, you know, we've got to look at staying ahead of this. And so our council is going to be meeting to talk about updating our thoroughfare plans and strategically, how do we stay ahead, a step ahead of that? How do we fund it? How do we do that? And we're going to come up with a game plan this year to update that on infrastructure. Uh, we're a lot of folks don't realize this, but we're in the middle of, and hopefully this year we'll start physical construction of a forty to fifty million dollar sewer plant expansion. Uh, so that you know you got to have water coming in yeah. and you got to have sewer going out, <laughs> and uh, we're doing that. We're also revisiting our our water contracts for the future. Our staff has done a great job of, of finding ways to keep our costs down and to ensure that we have adequate water supplies in the future. Uh, so we're in good shape there. Uh, as we build roads, we're updating some of our water and sewer lines are over 100 years old. Here's a prime example. I like to go out and work with the, uh, uh, with the road crews and the water crews and fire department from time to time. I was working with our... Uh, 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 some of our crews and we were uh, doing a tap for a new house in an old neighborhood and I, I was down in a hole that's about six seven feet deep and you have a, a big wire rod to locate where the line is as you're digging and you get close to it and so I'm poking that wire down into the hole trying to find a sewer line and this guy grabs me by my shoulder and says mayor you might want to ease up a little bit that line you're trying to locate is made of clay and if you hit it it's not going to be pretty oh, yep. so yep. well i had the same issue old. with my house too because i have a 130 year old house <laughs> so we have yeah. clay pipes so be careful locating yeah. your lines uh, <laughs> but we're, we're doing that on the east side we have started a comprehensive uh stormwater drainage plan i've asked our congressman roger williams to help us find federal funding to uh, work on east side uh, drainage 
if, if you haven't lived here your whole life, then you may not be aware of uh, when we have massive floods, the east side gets hit really, really bad with the Buffalo huh. Creek. Okay. And so, you know, with infrastructure, we've, we've uh, gotten some really good staff in place and, and leadership positions, and we're really uh, working on an improvements and creative solutions. And so I, I think we're about three steps ahead of the growth, and we're continuing to, to take our roads back. Uh, one, of my council, one of my new council members, Chris Bedeker, uh, I think he said it best. He said, you know, our roads are our handshake to those coming to visit us. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, we're, we're getting back to focusing on the basics uh, now that we've got economic growth coming. That's awesome. Okay, so now let's touch on COVID. So your response to COVID is a little different and been pretty cool compared to a lot of the other cities that I've, I guess, in this area. Um, that's an encouragement to you, like that props. Because <laughs> your your communication with the city, the way you've handled things, the way um, you've been very open about things. Hey, guys, you know, whether you believe in masks or not, let's go ahead and wear them, keep it up to the business, let the businesses decide whether they want to do mask wearing or not. Um, it's just different in a really cool way. And you've been very, uh, in my opinion, you've been a really good leader during this pandemic. So why, why did you, is your response like this? Well, you know, uh, first of all, thanks, Caleb. You know, if you get on social media, about 50% of folks will say I'm I'm doing too much. And the other 50 says I'm doing too little. uh, That means you're doing well. We're right in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the the, country is divided on so many things. Um, You know, when, I was literally coming back uh, from vacation with my son, and I spent 10 hours driving back from uh, Angel Fire, New Mexico, putting a plan together. I literally got home, uh, dropped my son and his college uh, roommates off, didn't even go to the bathroom, ran to City Hall, issued the emergency declaration, and then off to the races we went. And during the spring, it was really tough, but you know, that, that, that very, during those first 10 hours, I told our, our emergency team, my city manager, my fire chief, and, and the, the key advisors, I said, look, as we go into this, um, I had a little experience with crisis management. People know about the tornadoes in 2013 and the recovery, and, and you got to stay ahead of it, and you've got to, there's some basic things, you know, you, you've, you've got you've to lead, you got to work hard and you've got to communicate yeah. and get people working together. Um, yeah, that's what my undergrad's in. And, and so, yeah, so you know that it's crisis mm-hmm. management 101. And um, so, and you gotta be proactive. What a lot of folks don't know is uh, behind the scenes, we averted one dis- potential disaster. We almost lost Lake Pat. Uh, what? Lake Pat sprung a leak and I'm in these emergency meetings and we're talking about, you know, notifying people downstream in the immediate need. And I, I asked my team, I said, okay, uh, let's, let's go through a scenario. Let's say that we lost it. You guys have a good plan for, you know, how do we notify it? How do we provide potable water to 32 or 30,000 people and a business community? And everybody looked around the room and says, we hadn't thought about that. I said, huh. come up with a plan. I want on my desk by tomorrow morning, a plan on how, we go into emergency mode and how we supply water because if we have to rebuild the the dam, it you know 18 months to three years before that's a water source. How do we do it? They came up with a plan, so you have to stay a step ahead. Hmm. So back to COVID, um, what we did, uh, I said, look, 
we've got to approach this. Every decision that I make, I want these questions asked every time. I want to, to know, first of all, how does this decision you're asking me to make, how does it impact the safety uh, uh, of our community? And by safety, there were two components to that. I asked them, how does this help us protect those that are most vulnerable that we knew about? And two, how does this ensure that our first responders are available to protect the community at large? In other words, uh, how does this keep us from, uh, from the spread of COVID getting so rampant that our first responders, you know, if, if they're sick with, with it and they're isolated, then I don't have enough first responders if somebody has a heart attack and needs to be transported to the hospital. So I said, how does this affect the safety? How does this protect our community? Uh, the second thing that, that I asked was, how do we, initially I said, how do we tamp down fear and panic? Um, and then I kind of expanded that a little bit. How do we communicate? And so how do we communicate quickly, efficiently, and accurately? With the, and so I said, let's set up lines of communication. And what we ultimately did was I, I got on Zoom conference calls and telephone conference calls with all of our church pastors to share what I knew, to share ideas, to get input on how do we protect their congregations. I got on multiple calls, sometimes eight to 10 hours a day with our business community, sharing what we know, best practices, how do we keep business going? Hmm. So how does this impact the safety of the community? How do we communicate? And then the third thing is how does this impact the, the, the financial, uh, the economy? And, and I told him, I said, that's the last question for a reason, not the first question. But I said, every decision we make has consequences, unintended consequences. So when we start talking about making adjustments and we start talking about making mandates, I want to know what is the financial impact on this? So we, we go through that process. And when we got to the, the shutdowns, um, I'll be honest, I got really frustrated at all levels of the government. Um, I kind of felt like if everybody would leave Cleveland alone, we, we had good systems of communication, we could get it figured out for Cleveland. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you started getting orders from the governor on down and, and there was confusion. And I had really set this up and I told my team, I said, look, you got to understand that, that we have never dealt with a pandemic in our lifetime. So we're dealing with unknowns, we're dealing with fears. And so we've got to start with where people are. Mm -hmm. You know, we're getting such, such information so quickly that we, we can't keep changing the rules and the guidelines. We've got to adjust, you know, and we've got to go carefully. And so I set up a system where before we would issue a local mandate, I said, let's go out and ask people, you know, you, you can't, you can't force people to do what they're voluntarily doing. I said, it's not a, we, we don't want government to step in until it has to. So let's go and ask them to do these things. And then if we have to mandate it, then we'll go through that, but let's try that. That's not normal. Yes. That's cool. Well, you know, how do you balance this? You know, government, Ronald Reagan said, government's not the solution. It's usually the problem. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you've, you've got to remember that, that you know, I, I believe in our people. That doesn't mean everybody's going to do the right thing. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that, that we don't have to issue some mandates. But let's try to work the problem as a community together. And let's bring everybody together first. But the other issue that I had was 
I had everything set up to adjust and I early took the position that every job was essential, every business was essential, that the way I was handling it within the city was to lower uh, our occupancy levels. So instead of determining what's essential and non-essential, I looked at how do we get people spread out so that, that we don't, because at that point, the goal wasn't to keep people from getting COVID. It was trying to keep us from getting it all at the same time and something else catastrophic. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I said, you've got to go with where we were, but at that point, the governor, our, 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 a lot of our county judges and, and everybody were, were trying to get into the, you know, determining what business is essential and non-essential yeah. and it threw everything into kind of chaos. A lot of, too many cooks in the kitchen, in my opinion. Well, you know, when you get down to crisis management, when you get to where government's closest to the people, that's at the local level. And, um, you know, and and the governor initially said, Texas is too big to manage this with a one size fits all. And, you know, I was grateful for that. Uh, You know, I was on the phone with, you know, Betsy Price, the mayor of Fort Worth is Mm -hmm. a great friend of Cleburne and, and of all of North Texas was sad to hear she's uh, yeah, retired. I heard that. Uh, but but she has served her community and been such a friend to Cleveland. You know, uh, she's made their resources available. So we shared a lot of information and ideas. Um, you know, and, and Cleburne, when they shut down the restaurants, Cleburne was a little bit isolated from the Metroplex. And so Betsy and I talked about the fact that I can use them as a model and have a step ahead of COVID. So I wouldn't, you know, I had time to react. Uh, But when they did that, uh, you know, ultimately the governor chose to to mandate from uh, from Austin. I I disagree with that. I think it was the wrong move, but uh, you know, the way the hierarchy is, it is. And um, so, you know, I shifted gears to, you know, communicating uh, information and, and, you know, doing the best I can to, you know, and then as, as we got more information with mask mandates and those things, you know, I saw the divisiveness and how a lot of these issues were being politicized. And so I really felt like the best thing that I could do is to try to encourage everybody to remember that there's no magic bullet with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of opinions and lots of information that I'm going to make my decisions based on healthcare decisions, not the media from either side. Um, you know, we, we got uh, Michelle Beeson, Dr. Beeson yeah. uh, designated as a healthcare official for us to help advise me and counsel. And uh, she and, and Chief Lill got their information from the CDC, John Hopkins, straight from the source. And that's where we were basing those decisions. Um, but I tried to get, get people, and, and, I, and I continue to this day to try to get people to remember uh, you know, with, even with, you know, we can all have differences of opinion. That's okay. But let's remember that COVID is the enemy, not each other, mm. you know, and, 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 you know, try to understand, you know, that, that people are, are, are scared. Uh, they're, you know, don't, don't call them names because they're scared of, of COVID. It's frightening because unlike the flu and other symptoms, you can be asymptomatic, pass it on to someone you love and they can be dead. You know, and that's what that's what's so scary about this is there's so many unknowns and so many variables, you know, and then you have this climate of so many conspiracies and and, you know, uh, all these other things, this backdrop, it was like a perfect storm, um, you know, and so, 
you know, what I've really tried to do now is just to get people to know, look, we, we know the tools that we have, hand sanitize, social distance, throw a mask on when you can't keep distance. Are masks the answer? No. Is hand sanitizing the answer? No. There is no perfect answer, but just use common sense. Mm. And I believe that the majority of our people, they get it, you know, uh, but, but I understand the pressure that they're under. You know, my generation has never had to exercise this much discipline and this much patience. You know, we've had, we've started with my generation. We grew up with, you know, instant gratification. And so, you know, let's shut down for a week, get it knocked out and move on, but it didn't work. Mm. And so now we're going through the vaccine and it's going to take patience and, and time to, to get it rolled out. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, I think we're seeing that, you know, top down government isn't working. Um, you know, I'm frustrated because there's no communications from the state or the federal on when we're going to get doses. If they just tell us you're going to get this amount of doses on this time frame, we can get it worked out with our people and get them, uh, you know, uh, get them vaccinated and, and systematically because I believe our people will, will be smart about it. It's been, it's been tough on a lot of guys. I, I get all of that. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, what we got to remember is we all have differences of opinion about it, uh, but we're not the enemy. Uh, yeah. And I think people, I think at their core, they get it. I think they, I, I believe that Americans, Texans and Clevernites, we, we, we get it that we're not the enemy of one another. It's just, we're at a boiling point. Yeah. No, I, from my perspective as a, as a new Cleveland citizen, um, I really appreciate you communicating and just keep doing what you're doing. Cause I think the over communication that you're doing is doing well. Um, so there's always going to be those people who just hate everything, <laughs> but from somebody as a Cleveland citizen, I mean, just keep doing it, man. That's you're doing a good job. Um, final thoughts. I know you gotta get out of here. You have a lot of stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, th- my, my point was that, that, you know, I love this community and, you know, it, it's, I don't mind taking the beat. I understand it. So if I'm going to be accessible, you know, I'm, I'm going to listen. If they need yeah. to vent, let them vent. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Last, last thing before you go, um, younger people, my generation, we don't really like politics because it feels like it's so just no change is ever going to occur. Um, but the local side of it's a little different the local side where you actually see the change happening within your community. You know, this is why I wanted to talk to you because I wanted to, to even tell my peers, Hey guys, there can be change that can occur, but it, it's probably gonna happen at a local level, get involved. You know, like you said before, get it on a board. So kind of ex- just final thoughts. Um, how would somebody, and why is it important for younger people to get involved? Yeah. So Caleb, you know, you're, you're right. Uh, the, the younger generations are frustrated with politics as usual. And quite frankly, Yesterday, we saw a boiling point of, of what, you know, partisan politics leads us to. And, and you know, your, your generation wants to see results, wants to see quality of life. And, you know, at the end of the day, the way I look at it is I'm a caretaker for your generation. You're the future leaders. The future belongs to you. And so um, my, my hope is that we can get more younger folks in our community involved at the local level and then ultimately at, at bigger levels to get this thing fixed, to clean it up and, and to straighten it out. 
and uh, to get involved. My job is to listen to you. And quite frankly, I put a lot of weight on the younger generation's viewpoint because, you know, let's face facts. My future involves me ending up changing my residence to Rose Hill Cemetery one day. <laughs> and you guys are going to be left with, you know, uh, what I've done during this period to figure out what direction you want to take Cleveland. And so I would rather listen to the direction you see us going in 20, 30 years and lay the foundation so that it's easier for you. Um, my first few years in office, it was really hard getting this community turned around, getting in a positive way to set us up. You know, I, my hope is that the, the mayors that follow, uh, you know, when my time is done, that they, they are able to take us to even higher, better things than I even dreamt possible. And so it, it's important. And, you know, you, and you don't have to get... And I, I get, you know, you're raising families and you've got a lot on your plate and, and you're busy. I totally get that. You don't have to spend a lot of time. If we get a lot of people involved, plugged in, in, in even little ways, you know, that, that really makes a difference. You know, uh, President Kennedy, a long time ago, whether you laying aside what party he was, he, he had a really great statement. He said, ask not what your country can do for you for what you can do for your country. And so we need more of that mentality today. Ask not what the city of Cleveland can do for you, but what you can do for your community. And that's really uh, what it's all about. Uh, you know, it, it's not about politics. And that's the greatest thing at the local level is, yeah. uh, I don't have to have a label next to my name because potholes and police officers don't care what letters next to your name. You know? <laughs> and I think at the end of the day, our community says we want results. We want quality of life and we want leadership that, that, that leads us into a bright future. Uh, That's you know, good. And, and, and we have that Cleburne, you know, I have challenged our city staff, our business community, and now I'm challenging you and all of our community in the next decade you know, this last decade, we prepared for the growth and got ready. And now we're seeing that growth. Now the question is, are we going to do something really special? Are we going to become the city that every other community admires and wants to model after? In other words, are we going to be the gold standard of how it ought to be done? Yeah. And I believe we can do it. But I it's going to so. take, take everybody involved. It's yeah. not about politics. It's about loving your community getting plugged in, getting involved and being kind to one another. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, let, let's get in there. So, yep. uh, you know, if you disagree with me, tell me, yep. I, I can't make decisions for the whole community if I don't hear both sides. Have so, that conversation. That's you know, awesome. And that local level is where you can actually see that change. So that's, that's what I want to do. That's, that's really encouraging to me. Well, well you, you know, and I'll leave you with this, Caleb. Okay. You know, uh, I tell uh, students, elementary students all the time, you know, can you pick up the phone and call the president of the United States? Or how many of you actually have met the president of the United States? I've met one former president in my lifetime. And I can tell you, I can't pick up the phone and call any of them on the phone. How about the governor? Uh, I've, I've met our governor once and I can't get him on the phone. Mm. But when you get to a mayor, you know, you'll run into the mayor in the grocery store, your city council member in a grocery store. You can talk to them. You can get involved. You can get on a board. You can voice your opinion. And so it's important. This is where we all live. This is where we call home. 
and where we're going to pass this down to our children and grandchildren. And so we can't do anything about what's going on in, in Washington, D.C. We can't do anything what's going on in Austin, but we sure as heck can control our community, yep. our streets, and what we do here. And so I say, let's focus on that. Let's get involved, get plugged in, and let's all be part of, of what's great about it. And if you do that, then what I always say will become a reality, and that is that it's a great day in Cleburne, Texas. Mm. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Mayor Kane. I really appreciate you. I know you're super busy, so I'm going to let you go. So thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. Thank you, Caleb. And uh, by the way, you're an official Clebernite now that you live here. So I don't care how long you lived here. Uh, look forward to it. You call me anytime and uh, may God bless the great city of Cleburne, Texas. I appreciate that, man. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye.